Northern New York Community Podcast, stories from the heart of our community. Thank you for joining us. We have another great Northern New York Community Podcast to share with you. I'm your host, Max Del Signor. Dr. David Van Edenham, a longtime orthopedic surgeon and devotee to medical practices in the North Country, is here with us. He'll tell us a little bit about how he came to Watertown and how healthcare has changed in the region over the last few decades. We'll also dive into the legacy of a well-known civic organization and its historic identity in downtown Watertown. And finally, we'll talk about why philanthropy in general is such an important engine for our communities. Dr. Van, appreciate you being here with us. Good morning. It's safe to say that a good part of your heart is in Michigan. You were born there, you went to college there, got your medical degree in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up, the town where you grew up, and when you knew you wanted to pursue a medical career. I grew up in Muskegon, Michigan, a uh, fairly large city right on the uh, shore of Lake Michigan. Uh, I went to uh, public schools in uh, Muskegon and after my senior year went to a small college in Holland, Michigan called Hope College where I uh, pursued uh, a pre-medical career. It seems to me I always wanted to be a physician. Uh, There was no epiphany, it was just something I always wanted to do. uh, and I remember wanting that, des- or desiring that at a very young age. But in any event, I went to uh, Hope College, and then uh, following that uh, four-year period, I enrolled at the uh, medical school in Ann Arbor and uh, spent the next uh, 10 years in the Ann Arbor area uh, pursuing my uh, education and my uh, specialty as uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Now, Hope College is uh, something that has a very close connection with your family. Your mother was the dean of women there, correct, for a period of time? Yes, not when I was enrolled, fortunately. (laughs) But, uh, no, she came on board after I had left and uh, was uh, a house mother and then became uh, dean of women at Hope College until she retired. But it was a uh, wonderful experience. It's a small college. It's a uh, church-related uh, college founded by the uh, Reformed Church of America. They also have a uh, seminary, Western Theological Seminary, uh, that is closely associated with the college. So part of my uh, education uh, had a Christian orientation at, at that time. And I know... Uh, you're interested in philanthropy in this topic today. And I think that upbringing in the uh, Christian church and the teachings of uh, tithing, giving back, uh, certainly has influenced me throughout my life. You know, your father was also quite accomplished being a state senator in Michigan for, for a few years. and Yes, I, I was in a household that was steeped in politics. My father was the, uh, at that time, when he, he was the youngest state senator elected in, uh, in Michigan. He was uh, 26, I believe, and he became the uh, Republican uh, chairman of the uh, Senate uh, within a few years. 
And I remember as a Republican uh, in a Democratic era, he won during the Roosevelt landslides. So we had to have some popularity across lines. <laughs> now, you, you were in the Navy for a yes. few years as well, correct? I was in uh, residency, which is uh, the program that, in, that is set up to train you in an individual specialty. After your medical school graduation, I spent uh, a year as an intern and a year as a first-year surgical resident in, uh, Wayne, at the Wayne County uh, General Hospital in Wayne, Michigan, not too far from Ann Arbor. I then went back to the University Hospital in Ann Arbor and spent three years uh, in my orthopedic residency. Uh, in the middle of my last year, I was drafted into the uh, Vietnam War, and I was assigned uh, the Navy. And fortunately, the uh, Naval folks let me com complete at least my last year there. So I was fully trained when I left and uh, joined the Navy in 1968. I spent a couple of uh, months at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina and then was uh, given orders to report to the Naval Hospital at Great Lakes, Illinois. And I spent the next uh, year and a half or almost two years at that facility as an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, we were very busy. We uh, had a relatively new hospital, and we had an active uh, in-hospital population of about 80, and an outpatient clinic of over 800. So we kept very busy for a few years while I was there. In a lot of ways, that experience kind of helped shape your professional career just because of how many things were happening. What, what was that experience like in the day-to-day -day being at Great Lakes? Well, it was uh, very memorable seeing the terrible tragedies of warfare and terrible injuries, and particularly in all fields, but also in my field because it affects people's limbs, their ability to ambulate and so forth. It was a great learning experience for me, not only uh, philosophically about war and uh, what it means, uh, but also the terrible, terrible wounds and uh, suffering that uh, many of our young men have gone through. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a very uh, tough couple of years. Now, there were a couple of local doctors who were graduates from Michigan who in many ways may have been the ones that, well, were the ones that they brought you to Watertown. Well, when I left the, the, the uh, residency, I was planning to stay in practice in Ann Arbor. But when I was drafted, we decided to hold off on any definite plans. And during the last year of my... Uh, military career, I was uh, called by Dr. Walker Heap and Dr. James Fish that were practicing here in Watertown and they wanted another partner. Both Walker and Dr. Fish and also Dr. Stover that was uh, involved 
all trained in Ann Arbor and were well known and, and well thought of. So we came out here and uh, uh, to Watertown, I think in the spring of 1968 and uh, met uh, Dr. Heap, Dr. Fish, Dr. Stover, and then decided to come here to practice in 1968 in July. What were those first memories of Watertown? I think it was in March, banks of snow, but the snow was sort of dirty <laughs> and melting. <laughs> and uh, it was a pretty dreary trip as I came into Watertown. <laughs> but uh, I soon realized uh, this, that this area uh, was a wonderful place to live and had uh, a wonderful uh, bunch of people that live here and work here. And I've been very happy that I made that decision. How did your practice and medical procedures evolve over time through the eras, you know, starting around that 1968 to going through 40 years of, of practice? Well, as I, as I look back, many of the things that are, that I subsequently did, I was not trained to do during residency. For an example, total hip joints, total knee joints. These procedures weren't done until after I got here. So this required going to special courses to learn the procedure. And it just showed to me how the practice of medicine continues to change and evolve. It's very important to get a good basic uh, background in medicine, which I received at the University of Michigan but you still need uh, continuing medical education and you still need to participate in clinics, go to meetings. So it's a constant evolving process that never ends. How has the accessibility to research and information, how did that change over time? You know, if you had conferences or uh, other resources you could tap into early on, there seems to be more accessibility these days. How, how did you see it change? Well, I, I, I see a change in the uh, telecommunication industry. A lot of meetings now we can uh, attend uh, through a teleconference rather than have, having uh, to travel somewhere to a meeting. So it, it makes the learning experience more accessible. Everything in the medical world is a constant evolving change. and. Uh, I think they're doing everything they can to make sure the individual practitioner is made aware of changes and uh, is up to date. So how did the community and medical care providers prepare for Fort Drum's prominent return or expansion in the mid-1980s? Well, that was a major uh, period of time here in Watertown. Uh, we had two hospitals. I was uh, involved on a few committees that uh, addressed some of these uh, situations and, uh, and planning that went into them. I remember uh, primarily the interest here in Watertown was the fact that we had no military base that had a hospital. So they had to use the uh, hospitals here in our community. We also had some meetings discussing uh, what type of insurance would be used to cover the cares and so forth. 
But it was a, it was a major, uh, a major happening, and to some degree, uh, there were some very significant problems that had to be solved. And I thought the uh, overall transition was done really quite well. We had a lot of fine leaders in the community, both military and uh, locally, that uh, made the transition smooth and uh, maintained, I've, I've, I felt, good medical care to the, uh, the soldiers and their families, as well as maintaining the care of the community, uh, the community as a whole. One of the things, perhaps, our younger audience, as they listen to your story, is the idea of having two hospitals in Watertown and practically within a mile of each other. What, what was it like to have two really good medical care institutions in one city? It had definitely advantages and definitely some disadvantages. Uh, competition is always good. We wanted to make sure they were delivering good care as best they could, and uh, that part of the competition was, is, I think, worthwhile. Some of the disadvantages, I thought, were mainly sort of selfishly to the physician, uh, particularly uh, as I looked at it, in my field, we had two emergency rooms, and when you're on call, you only have so many people or personnel that can take call at one time. It was sometimes uh, a little hard to, to cover both hospitals. We did it, and I think we did it well. But that would be, say, one of the disadvantages, but that's uh, my selfish look at it. But for the patient, uh, I, I don't think uh, there's, there's much downside because I think the competition was good and everybody wanted to give excellent care and they certainly tried to do that. Going back to you personally, what was your favorite or best procedure that you looked forward to the most as a surgeon? The ones that are easy to do, I guess. <laughs> Such as? No, I... <laughs> Some procedures obviously are, are uh, done more quickly and easily without uh, risk of any serious side effect or complication. Others uh, can be very uh, challenging, not only in planning the surgery, but unexpected uh, findings at the time of the surgery where you must uh, perhaps uh, change your plan and do something a little different. I think most, one of the most patient-received surgical successes are total joints. Say total hips and total knees, very painful conditions when they have painful arthritic problems. Uh, but the surgery for that problem uh, normally is very effective and the patient is very, very happy to get relief from their preoperative uh, discomfort. There are some other procedures that, are, that I've done that we do as an orthopedic surgeon that uh, are very gratifying as well. The, uh, the, the nice thing about orthopedics is that we treat all ages of patients. We, we treat newborns and we treat geriatric uh, patients, of course, uh, for all different types of orthopedic problems. So it's been a great, uh, great field, I feel, for uh, people interested in a medical career.
take, take me for a minute inside the, the, the mental approach, the preparation before you go into a procedure and begin to operate. What's, what was the, uh, the mentality you had before you went in to perform one of these procedures? The most important thing is the safety of the patient and you assess the patient's overall health. There may be some uh, comorbidities or other medical problems that the patient has that might have to be tuned up or approached or treated before you uh, do your surgery. Most of our surgery, except for trauma, is elective. So we have time to work up a patient and uh, correct any medical problems that, that might be detrimental to a general anesthetic or our particular procedure. That's what we generally do when we uh, approach a case. Let's transition to another institution. We'll talk about the Black River Valley Club. It really does have a special meaning for you, and the club itself just played an important role in the city of Watertown in its heyday. Uh, what, what are some of your favorite memories and, and times at the club? Well, the, when I came to Watertown in the late 60s, 1968, the uh, Downtown Black River Valley Club was a uh, club that uh, had a, a lot of the community leaders that were members. And I was invited down one evening to uh, have dinner and meet members. And I was very impressed with the cross-section of who I met. Not only my own colleagues in my field, but in the uh, business uh, community, in the educational community, the uh, attorneys, all people uh, getting together for a s social relaxation. I, I, I was very much interested in, in joining, and fortunately I was uh, asked to be a member, and I found my association with the club to be very relaxing and rewarding uh, uh, intellectually because I had a chance to meet business leaders in the community that otherwise I probably would not have met. And I thought it was uh, a great uh, part of my life here in Watertown. Now the club is transitioning now to becoming the Northern New York Philanthropy Center. Uh, what are your thoughts about what the building will symbolize and become in Watertown? I hated to see the club close. However, uh, the building itself uh, is a landmark, I think, in our downtown community. And I think the project now that is being constructed and uh, planned is a wonderful thought to continue to help our community in all avenues, uh, particularly in philanthropy. And uh, what better a place to do it in is is in that structure, which remains a very handsome building in downtown Watertown. Now your service outside of work extended to many, as you mentioned before, boards and committees. You're still very active. You know, for example, you're still on the board for the Children's Home of Jefferson County, started a muscular dystrophy clinic at Mercy at the time, um, even did some medical staffing for the Watertown Red and Black, the local semi-pro football team. As you look back at that level of volunteering and all that you did, why were those activities important to you? 
I guess it's my own mantra or personality, but I've always had an interest in things other than my own professional ideas and career. And I, I didn't really feel an obligation to do these things, but I've, I had the training to do what I do and to help people and in the community that uh, were, in, were in need of help and some guidance. And I, and I, I felt I was uh, not really obligated, but I, I wanted to do it and I enjoyed doing it. I volunteered and did the, um, all the Watertown High School football games and then of course the red and black games and did get involved. We started the muscular dystrophy clinic as you mentioned uh, at Mercy Hospital. That's where we started it. And I've been associated with the Children's Home of Jefferson County since 1970 I believe and uh, also been involved with Jeff Jefferson Rehab and have done some uh, consulting work there. Given your, your interest in being able to apply your strengths to a lot of these volunteer activities, as you reflect again, what are some of those philanthropic values that you feel are most important? I guess I don't even, I don't think of it so much as philanthropic. I just feel that I have the ability to do these things and I just feel I should do these things. Uh, I think that perhaps goes back to my upbringing. It goes back to, uh, I think, uh, my uh, faith. These are all factors that are involved. You were fortunate enough to work with your son, Peter, for the last few years of your professional career. Uh, what was that experience like to be able to share the practice with him? That was wonderful, very proud. Uh, Peter has done a wonderful job. His, uh, I think his training certainly far exceeded what I did in my training. Uh, and he did this all on his own. He, uh, first time around, he went to Hope College, but he had to delay his medical school acceptance for a couple of years. But in that period, he uh, got a master's degree. And then from that point on, did wonderful work in his training and, his, uh, and it's been wonderful to work with him here in Watertown. I think we're very fortunate uh, that he came here and is continuing to practice here. Another important part of your family legacy is a scholarship that's at the Northern New York Community Foundation that honors your wife, Ellie, who passed away three years ago. How important is that scholarship to you, to your family, and being able to honor Ellie in that way? Well, it's, it's been absolutely wonderful. And uh, this all sort of started spontaneously uh, by some friends of my wife that had played golf with her. And uh, it's been uh, very well received and supported by a number of very generous sponsors in the community and Northern New York Community Foundation and w, WNY TV. The uh, support has been really quite overwhelming and uh, we hope to uh, continue the golf tournament uh, in the near future. The uh, proceeds of the event uh, support the Northern 
New York Community Foundation and a scholarship that we give out to uh, the students that apply. It also uh, gives money to the Alec Baldwin Cancer Fund as well as the Governor Cancer Fund. So hopefully uh, <clears throat> we can continue this and uh, continue to s support the, uh, the folks that I've mentioned. In many ways, philanthropy plays a vital role in the community's overall development. And regions always have challenges. How important do you feel is, or how important do you think philanthropy is to the North Country's future as you look ahead? As I look behind, <laughs> I see what philanthropy has done. And as I look ahead, I hope that philanthropy continues to keep doing what they've done. Uh, there are a lot of things here in Watertown that, that we all sort of take for granted that are here because of philanthropy and the generosity of a lot of our residents. You know, as, as we look around our, our community today, we see a lot of need for improvement, and there are certainly uh, uh, many areas where uh, philanthropy could be a, very beneficial. In, in solving problems and improving lifestyle and uh, improving the educational opportunities that we have. But I think the, that's, it's going to be an ongoing process. That's why I think that this uh, plan of the Northern New York Community Foundation of having a vis visible site uh, that can be sort of the beacon for this type of activity in the future. Well, Dr. Van, you've taken good care of this community for more than four decades, continue to do so. Thank you so much for sharing your story and, and time with us today. Thank you very much for inviting me. Special thanks to our partners on this production, WPBS-TV and the Northern New York Community Foundation. And finally, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Please join us again for another community story on the Northern New York Community Podcast. Northern New York Community Podcast, stories from the heart of our community.